most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Prabidi. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Dan Claskins, who you can find on Fantastics, on SiriusXM, and on Twitter at Dan Claskins. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex. Oh, Samantha, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. After one of my most brutal fantasy days of the season, it's, I might need some therapy today. I was literally just going to ask before I botched the name of the podcast, Fantasy Flags, um, how was your week eight? Uh, because my week eight was not great. So I was hoping to hear that your week eight was good. At least yeah. someone would have a good week eight. Uh, you know what? There were some silver linings. I, I will find some silver linings. But as a Bengal fan, we were we had a nice little reality check, a reality check. Actually, I was so conflicted watching the game because, I mean, I was definitely rooting for the Bengals, but I'm also... Went to I went to college at Western Kentucky, which is where Mike White is from. So in any other scenario, I'd have been rooting my butt off for this guy because you know I watched him there the Hilltoppers. But uh, it was pretty disappointing there. And then obviously the buzz killed Monday with Derrick Henry on my Scott Fishbowl team. Who last week I jinxed it. I finally started talking about how good of a season I was having. I was like 13th overall. Well, 13 was an unlucky number apparently because I had a, I already had Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews on by this week, and then Derrick. Henry gets hurt. So uh, my my SFB fishbowl uh, aspirations, they're fading quickly here, Samantha. I was that was the first question that I was going to have for you was about your Scott fishbowl team, because I don't know anyone that's made it that high up. So that is awesome. Um, uh, I had a- well, in 2018, in 2018, like I had my greatest fantasy team in three decades of playing fantasy. It was my 2018 Scott Fishbowl team. I went undefeated. I literally was the top scorer in the regular season by like 200 points. And I was thinking that this team was almost going to be as good as that team. So, yeah, it was pretty deflating today. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I mean, I... I'm not doing super hot in Scott Fish. I would I would say that last year, I don't know if it was beginner's luck, but I did pretty well. Like I think I only had one or two regular season losses, so I got the first round by, and then I lost in the second round. So you have like, if I remember correctly, didn't you have like a first a number one overall pick in your draft or something? Did, uh, so I have I think we talked one. about your Scott Fish bowl draft somewhere else. I had the number one pick this year, okay. which wasn't as exciting because of the number one third round reversal on the number two, I took CMC. Mm. So my season has not been ideal. <laughs> yes. Okay. It went just, Christian McCaffrey went down a lot earlier than Derek Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not been ideal. I had drafted Chuba Hubbard, which obviously good, but not great. And I just like a lot of the guys that I took, I feel like they were just 
they've been like unimpressive reversal is interesting uh, i'm not a huge fan of it but i've done it in other high stakes formats and stuff so it did come in helpful but uh i don't know why they, they did it they invented third round reversal to like counter react ladanian tomlinson during his <laughs> greatness but I'm, i feel like it's no longer necessary so but leave it up to scott fish to throw uh some additional layers in there to to confuse us <laughs> definitely an additional layer and the the scoring is all so funky i have kyle pitts in that league which i got lambasted for taking kyle pitts at 401 uh i don't think that that was that early for oh. a tight end premium league and obviously the first couple of weeks people were victory lapping there's a lot of chest pounding one way or the other on kyle pitts yes it does it is unfortunate i mean obviously the, the news of calvin ridley and his mental health i mean we obviously want him to get himself right, but uh, from Kyle Pitts' standpoint, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a player that definitely that's gonna hurt a little bit because there's a lot more attention being paid to him if Calvin Ridley's off the field. But man, I mean, Calvin Ridley, the personal issue again. It's like you really hate to see that. I'm glad he's actually has the the support system to be able to try to try to get that right. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that does to Kyle Pitts. Cause I, I have some Kyle Pitts shares in some high places too. And if the first day of, uh, you know, I, he did pretty good without Ridley in previous games, but it wasn't the case yesterday. Yeah. I feel like where I had Kyle Pitts, it was like a go big or go home type league where you're not really going safe in Scott Fish. Like that doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, you're getting blasted for taking Kyle Pitts there, though. And nobody's <laughs> saying anything about the people taking George Kittle in the same spot. And look at his durability concerns. These are not new things. I know I think it's, it's so unfair like that. Like, oh, everybody puts these pressure on these picks. And I feel like Kyle Pitts is one of those people that you either got him or you were like making fun of like people that took him in spots and like talking smacks. And we'll see. We'll see. I'm still all in on it. A lot of smack talking in the fantasy space, but let us just hop right into questions. So my first question is, what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? Oh my league? goodness. I think we started scoring it on the abacus back then. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm old, Samantha. I'm old. No, we started, I started playing fantasy in 1990, actually. Wow. I was in high school at the time and uh, we had to score it by hand. I'll never, I always tell the story that like, I was literally in this DOS computer programming class. They were teaching us like all this outdated language. And I got kept getting in trouble for scoring the game by my hand, by hand with the USA Today. And I was getting detention and my mom, I mean, God rest her soul, but like she really laid into me. She's like, you better start paying attention to that computer class. You're never going to make a dime off of this fantasy football stuff. And here I was, I'm like, DOS is outdated and I get paid to talk about football every week. So I was like, eh, mom would be proud now. But uh, <laughs> yes, it's been a long time. Things have changed quite a bit for the better, but it was fun back then still. So, you know, the same premise of talking smack, beating your friends, watching football for a whole different reason. I think all those things got on and now here we are today. And did you win that league? That was my. Oh, back then I won all the time. And the reason <laughs> is, seriously, this is this is true. And most other commissioners of that time will tell 
tell you the same thing as the guy that spent four hours a week crunching it by hand, the game, the scores of each game. I was so dialed into the stats that, and then the info that wasn't readily available that, I mean, it was an unfair advantage, but one that uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the unfair advantage why it lasted. But uh, today information's everywhere, which is both good and bad is, I guess it depends on if it's good or bad information. Whether or not you should listen, huh? Fair enough. Well, that is very cool that you won your first league. Um, what are the best, worst, best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Well, I think the best part of playing fantasy for anybody it really is just the connection it gives you to players and the games. And uh, I, I, as a Bengal fan here in Cincinnati, I mean, it was good when I was growing up as a kid. I mean, Joe Montana made me cry a couple of times in the Super Bowl, <laughs> but in the 90s, I mean, if it wasn't for fantasy football discovering it, I might have lost being a fan of football. The Bengals were terrible. And I think uh, the best part is how it connects the fans to the game and fans to each other. I mean, you and me, we meet here because of this great world. And I made hundreds of friends that I've met since I've been working in it professionally since 2003. And I will say that uh, the worst part of it is sometimes it also for the same things that are good, it, it creates bad things. I mean, I, shamefully, I mean, I've got a couple friends of mine that, well, I thought they were friends, but like, you know, as a commissioner elite guys that just like screw you out of like a hundred bucks. It's like, I'd rather not pay you that $200 I owe you and stop being your friend. It's like, those are the disappointing things. Or, you know, even just seeing people like treat other people in not nice ways in general. Like, you know, I think uh, sometimes people take it a little too serious. Like, you should not be involved in a league where you cannot afford to lose the money one, but it's like, you know what? It's, it is meant to be fun. So when you let it start ruining your day or, or the way that you are with other people, I think we all have seen the negative side of fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're playing in leagues with people like save that crazy competitiveness and maybe toxic masculinity for when you're playing DFS and you're like, that's like, that's like for that. I think that when you're actually playing in leagues, you have to remember that you are playing with people and generally, you know, those people, the way to success is not like just screwing people out of trades and things like that, because it is about relationships. In my opinion, I think it's all about relationships. My couch potato football league. This is like, we're in our 21st season. There's like a couple of my friends. They don't even live in the same city anymore. That's the one time a year they come into for the game and or not for the game, but for the draft. And, you know, we're all sitting there together and uh, that's cool. Those hometown leagues, those hometown experiences. Now I will say that, you know, uh, as much as I enjoy hometown leagues, I do enjoy all the online stuff too, because there's a lot more people because of those tools that I've gotten to compete against that never would have been possible years ago. Yeah, it's really, really cool just to meet and connect with so, so many people from just even Scott Fish, who was on this uh, 21 questions last week. He is literally the reason that I have connected with so, so many people. So that kind of connection is really, really great and invaluable. And really fantasy for me is the way that I got into football at all. Now I really do feel like I'm a fan of the game, but I didn't get into it the traditional way where I loved the Bengals or the Patriots or anything like that and then found a way into fantasy. That's fantasy probably better for you, stuff. though, because you don't have the bias of, of your favorite team or your least favorite team, because it's that not just I'm a Bengal fan. It's a, I hate the Steelers, right? <laughs> it's like it's built into me naturally. Now, I know I know you're dating a Browns fan right now, <laughs> but out on Twitter. And well, I still agreed to come on the podcast for that. But, you know, the Browns are right up there with the Steelers, Samantha. It's like we don't really like Browns fans, but 
we feel at least we can relate to Browns fans because sort of like Bengal fans, they're like lovable losers. You know, <laughs> it's been a long time. The Steelers, they win stuff and talk a lot of smack. So they're fans. We don't like them. We don't like them. Well, so I do not like the pa- Patriots. I would say if I do, yes. like I do have a little bit of an anti Patriots bias because I grew up in Rhode Island, which I was actually a Yankees fan growing up. So I could not like anything Boston and it, like that was dirty. All just of it. as a Yankees fan, I can get that. I can get that. <laughs> I was sure. the same way, but like I sort of got a man crush on Gronk like in the <laughs> early days, and it's really manifested itself uh, over recent years. But like, so I rooted once once he got more involved, like I started rooting for him. So I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm not a hater. So. I will say the boyfriend was insufferable yesterday after the loss of the Steelers. The Browns don't like losing to the Steelers just as much as I didn't like losing to the Steelers as a Bengal fan. Didn't want to talk about it, but then like at some point he was yelling about like how Miles Garrett never gets holding calls and just (laughs) how everyone's cheating and there's bad officials. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Absolutely. Um, All right. Well, jumping into the actual football stuff, we're going to kick it off with a quick segment called the Burn Book, which is, of course, a Mean Girls reference. As fantasy managers, it's so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So I'm going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your burn book. So the the first player is Trevor Lawrence. I thought this was going to be a solid game for Tila against Seattle. Defense, which has had been allowing these six most passing yards going into that game. It was pretty much a dud for Lawrence. He completed 32 of 54 for 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was drafted as a fringe top 12 quarterback, but has only finished top 12 twice. So are we maybe a year too early on Lawrence as a fantasy asset? And is he kind of in the burn book right now? Yeah, it, I was disappointed too, like you. I was expecting a little more out of Jacksonville coming out of the bye, but I'm not an Urban Meyer fan. I've never been an Urban Meyer fan. Um, and I certainly was skeptical of this experience uh, just based off of all these other great college coaches that have failed before him. But Trevor Lawrence, I mean, to me, it was hard to believe coming out of the bye week how dysfunctional this offense looked. I mean, it was brutal. And it's not all his fault. Receivers are dropping things. And the James Robinson injury is only going to create more obstacles for him. Luckily, it doesn't sound like that's a season ender, but it could be a couple weeks here. We'll have to watch and see what news develops as the week go. But just looking ahead for Trevor Lawrence, I had to make this decision honestly, because I've got him as a backup in this league where I have Kyler Murray and I'm looking at the options here. And that schedule over the next five weeks, Sam, he's got Buffalo next week. That's the word, one of the worst matchups for a quarterback. At Indy, Sam Fran, Atlanta, not too bad. Then at LA Rams, no plus matchups, too brutal over the next five, all those other factors. Like, uh, I don't know if it's going to turn around. I'm with you. I think maybe this is next year that maybe we see uh, T-Law come into his own, I guess. I do agree that I was pretty down on the Jack because of Urban Meyer going into the season and just like I just felt they weren't going to be that like zero to hero team that I think a lot of people were pumping them up as that said, I did think that Trevor Lawrence was talented enough to kind of overcome some of those obstacles. They lost two weapons too. I mean, DJ shark, uh, big loss there. And then Travis Etienne. we never really got to see what he was going to be in this offense, but, uh, yeah, they, they do play a pretty weak division. So you have that going for you. But uh, he's going to I think he's going to really have a hard time being a top 20 QB here in 2021. Agree. So I think he is going to the burn adjacent book, at least for me. Yes, now. Yes. Um, oh, so, ne- 
<laughs> Next, we're going into, uh, we're going to talk about Terry McLaurin. He's just been really unpredictable this year. Like he is this year's DJ Moore, though DJ Moore has turned into last year's DJ Moore a little bit too. <laughs> but uh, just three catches for 23 yards this week. Are we burning him as, you know, a wide receiver one, high-end wide, wide receiver two? I, I feel like it's not totally his fault because That's the true. offense is dysfunctional. But in the end, it's only results that matter for fantasy. You're right. You're right. And uh, I do think that it's been disappointing and it is concerning. I mean, you're talking about a season low three catches, as you talked about, just seven targets. He's failed to get double-digit PPR points in three of his last four games. So that is a concern. But I think you hit it on the head for me is – it's not all his fault. Taylor Heineke has looked a little rough here. Antonio Gibson, he's not been 100%. There's something clearly wrong with him. I know he's on your list too, but uh, for me, this bye week comes at a good time for Terry McLaurin. I, I know they took him off the injury report, but just that extra week, maybe maybe with that, and there is some optimism that in a week, uh, you know, next couple of weeks, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back. I mean, that's to be determined. That could definitely give him a boost because Taylor Heineke, just not getting it done. But I'm still in on him, as, a, as, as at least as a wide receiver too high end. The target volume's there. Uh, we've seen him do it before. So I, I'm sticking I'm sticking with it, but uh, definitely a good time for a bye week and hopefully a strong finish for uh, the Washington wideout. You know, speaking of Taylor Heineke, this was one of my worst uh, fantasy lineup manager decisions that I made all week. I started Taylor Heineke over Justin Fields in a league where like rushing quarterbacks get a ton of points. And yeah. everything like that. Well, so I just kick yourself on that one. <laughs> I was so annoyed. This is a league where I lost Russ and like, it's a 16 team mm-hmm. league. No one likes to trade in that league either. 16 and teamers are tough, man. It's tough. And it's, it's deep benches. Like we have like 10 bench spots. So like, no one's available on waivers yeah. is my point. So I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was actually that decision and that was. So have you grabbed Fitzpatrick already in that league? Or are you just gonna, cause I mean, Heineke might not be starting in a couple of weeks. I think Fitzpatrick uh, is rostered in that league and in like an IR spot. Of course, yeah, sixteen or ten person. (laughs) You might only be able to get like Davis Mills, and even then, like that's that may not. That's a that's a short leash. That's a short leash. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, All right. Um, Moving on to Javante Williams. So he is one of those like fantasy darlings, maybe a little bit more on like the dynasty side. But as much as we all seem to want it to be Javante season, I'm just not sure it's going to happen this year he's finished better than melvin gordon twice for fantasy for two weeks and has only out snapped gordon once all year so right now it's looking like a 55 45 split is williams kind of in your burn book and are you just kind of writing this off to he's a next year uh, asset i still think he's going to have a chance here and it's interesting because you're you're in bronco land out there i mean what's what's i mean is everybody as pumped up about him in, in your part of the woods there just from a bronco standpoint as fantasy owners are or is it just the fantasy universe that thinks it's happening because i don't know uh, to me he passes the of the eyeball test. He checks a lot of boxes, but in, until Gordon's out of the mix, it, it's not going to be an injury. Maybe the trade deadline. I don't know that. I mean, the trade deadline is today, uh, Tuesday, I should say when, you know, this podcast is 
uh, out and hit. So there aren't a lot of rumors out there. That would be interesting, though. The Broncos are pretty much done. Why not let the why couldn't Tennessee pick up the phone and talk to talk to them about Melvin Gordon? That'd be a win for him. It'd be a win for Williams. But 11 touches per 11.2 touches per game, 11 touches this week. Uh, and the problem is, is Gordon's finding his way to the end zone. He's got five touchdowns to his two. And, and both of them are fumbling the football. That's the biggest concern. Um, I don't think you can count on Williams just yet, but I do think wholeheartedly uh, that he's a guy that could win fantasy league still this year. So I'm, I'm holding on to him. I'm not getting ready to on the cheap. And I think he's a guy that if things go as I expect, could push to be in my top 12 at running back in 2022. So I'm still on board here. I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit on how much I'm getting into the lineup right now. Yeah, two things. So one, with the sentiment of the Broncos country, I friend of the podcast, uh, Benjamin Albright, who uh, is on Broncos country today on KOA 850. He has been telling me he drafted Gordon over like two rounds before Williams or something like that. And yeah, so he is all in on Gordon. He was... the whole time saying that that was the plan that the plan was for them to go into like a 60 40 split this season. And it's just a next year thing that they're going to use Gordon for the final year of his contract. And it it's, just that, like, they don't play football in the way that is most beneficial for us as fantasy managers. Well, you have to wonder, is the Broncos really get out of the mix, though? Um, and it's not too far from happening. Like, <laughs> is they really are just their season's over? Like, what's the benefit other than maybe saving mileage, I guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the tire, you know, not... But it's like Melvin Gordon is like, why? I mean, what what good is it? I would say late in the season when the chips are down, the Broncos are out of it. They're going to get I think you'll see them give Williams some long looks there. That's that's my thought. I was just my own personal thought. I mean, it's nothing that I have inside connections to. But I, I don't think the Denver coaches. I mean, they're so terrible. It's like this guy <laughs> clearly is the. Well, no, I mean, you, you just have to watch the game and you're like, gosh. This guy is a person that can come in and electrify this offense that's struggling right now. So I don't know. Right now, you can't put him in your lineups. He's still finding his way into my rankings, though, on a weekly basis as a fringe top 25 RB. And on some teams, that is starting worthy. So uh, in the spots I have him, I'm pretty deep. So he's just sitting on my bench like, a, you know, just waiting for him to come out at the right time, Samantha. I, uh, yeah. And the second thing I was going to say is I literally floated this, the whole Gordon to the Titans thing, just to one of my editors this morning. I was like, who says no? Yeah. Well, it was rather Marlon Mack or you know Adrian Peterson or Melvin Gordon. I mean, exactly. Like your season's over and they're already in the trading mood, right? Like yes. sending Von Miller to the Rams. And the Rams, like the Rams, they don't even have any draft. How do they even have draft picks left? It's like the Rams that make every trade, but all these other teams, it's like, they can't fill these needs so i literally was like i can't believe they even have draft picks to give away at this point it's like you think they're on like 2027 by now it's like i didn't know they had a second rounder next year (laughs) hilarious well yeah i'm still holding on to luck that willie is still holding on to hope that williams will kind of be one of those stars in the fantasy playoffs but for now he is sitting on my bench i will say this because there are people panicking He's a buy low guy. So uh, if you could uh, put some cheap ball offers out there to especially those Williams owners in your leagues with losing records right now, they need instant gratification. They can't afford to wait. So that's those are the types of trades that wins fantasy leagues. Agreed. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about, you already mentioned him, Antonio Gibson. It has been rough for Gibson managers over the last three weeks. 
Over that span, he is RB39 and half PPR, obviously recovering from this shin injury, which at first I didn't think was going to be a big problem. I know that sounds weird because like, of course it's a big problem, but he said, you know, it's not a big deal. He got 20 carries in that game right after it came out that he had that shin injury. So I was thinking, oh, like he's just going to play through it, just a flesh wound, but obviously he's being hampered by it at this point. So is he in your burn book right now until he gets healthy or how do you feel about him right now? Yeah, he's really hard to endorse as a fantasy starter right now. And I think some of the things we talked about with McLaurin hold true to him, right? I mean, Heineke struggled. I think for me, the biggest thing is I was really anticipating that the Washington football team and that defense would be pretty elite coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And although they looked better the last couple of weeks, they're just not controlling the games as much as I would like to have seen. So what that's leading to is more passing down work. And with this injury, that's led the door to McKissick getting that action. But, I mean, looking at him, I mean, Jared Patterson led Washington with 11 carries yesterday. I mean, that tells me that it's not just a game flow situation. But um, RB35, and once again, another guy, he's failed to hit double-digit PBR points in three straight games. So you're going to have to let him play your way back into his lineup. I I loved Gibson coming into the season. I actually – I was really moving him up my board uh, in those late August drafts and I couldn't get my hands on him because he was getting gobbled up so early in those drafts and it wasn't by choice, but now I'm sort of like thankful that I missed out a little bit on how much I actually liked the guy at that point of the draft season. So I really hope he gets his shin healthy and and this offense can get a little healthier because I think he is a special player uh, and and just just needs the right uh, system and scenario for it all to come to to light here on on the fantasy stat sheets. Yeah, I agree. He was a guy that I was fairly high on. I don't think I necessarily reached for him, but I was fairly high on in terms of the articles I was writing about him. And I do think it is just a matter of one losing Ryan Fitzpatrick very early in the season, I think hurt him and hurt the whole team into, like you said, with the defense, putting them in negative game scripts doesn't really favor a lot of rushing. And then three, of course, the injury, which is unpredictable like that. Those things just happen. So it's a, it's a series of unfortunate events for Gibson managers at this point, but I am still very convinced that he is an extremely talented guy that will um, at least be an asset probably down the road. All right. Our final guy in the burden book segment is going to be Tyler Higby. This should have been the Higby game, the monster game, but he just caught three of three targets for 25 yards and finished as tight end 23. Obviously Matt Stafford and Cooper cup are just like the hard eyes emojis to each other. And it's uh, it's, it's a little bit difficult for some of these other guys. Um, Hasn't scored a touchdown since week five and has two scores all year. Are we burning Higby as a usable tight end one? Well, the problem is, is who we replacing him with, right? I mean, we're all frustrated. We are. I mean, I, I, I had him in a lot of DFS lineups yesterday. And uh, so I think we all expect it to better in a matchup against the Texans. But it seems like Higby, when his matchups come, they're just so hit or miss. But again, it's like, um, what am I comparing him against? I don't think this is a guy that's a top eight tight end for me in many weeks. But he is a tight end one. And when you get to the back end part of that, it's roll the dice, take your chances. I'm with you. I think uh, this is Cooper Cup's offense and everybody else that gets any production out of it is going to be pretty inconsistent. And I think, too, with the Rams, uh, 
you know, and if they have it their way, they get a lot in these games so much. And now with another weapon in this defense, late in games, they're going to be hopefully with the lead and pounding the rock a little bit. So game flow is sort of hurting a little bit here as well in some cases. So Higby's a fringe tight end one to me. I don't think that's changed really all season. I don't think it's going to change the rest of the way. Yeah, to your point, it's it is a hellscape and it's very difficult. You're like, oh, well, he's definitely not a top 12 guy. We'll name 12 guys that are better than him. You really can't at this point. It's it's really tough. I mean, for even this week, I picked up Tunyon off waivers. It was looking good for a minute. It was looking good for a minute. You're right. And uh unfortunate, obviously, season ending. You go get CJ Uzama. I mean, I, guys either going to have three catches for 97 yards or two touchdowns or he won't even get targeted. But I mean, I picked him up this week, too. And of course, like this is the week I pick him up and start him. And it was a disappointing week, but such is the tight end position. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is our Elite Entry segment, where I am going to dive into the PrizePix app to build some entries. I'm going to identify some markets I like, you build your own PrizePix entries, and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four Week 9 quarterback plays on PrizePix. So the first play that I like, I know, you're going to cringe, is Mike White over 245.5 passing yards on the road in Indy. I get it. This probably seems like a massive overreaction to the Jets, somehow pulling off an upset against the Bengals. But White actually looked quite good. You know, he completed 37 of 45 passes for 405 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions in his first NFL start. That is nothing to sneeze at, given how Zach Wilson has looked. I mean, it's the same exact team, but Wilson hasn't put up nearly that production. He had nine more fantasy points than Wilson has had all year. It's definitely his job until Zach Wilson gets back. I don't think we'll see any Joe Flacco sprinkled in there. And he gets a plush week nine matchup against the Colts secondary, which has been very exploitable this season. The next play that I like is Mac Jones, under 235 and a half passing yards on the road in Carolina. I am going to just keep it rolling with the Mac Jones unders. He went well under the 240, the 255 mark last week, and I think he's going to go under 235 against Carolina. The Panthers have been super solid against the pass, and they finally have Stephon Gilmore going. So this team is allowing the second most passing yards all year at 189 second only to the Bills. Jones would have gone under this number in three of the last four games. The only game that he would have hit the over on 235 would be the one against the Jets where they blew up for 54 points, which I think is unlikely against Carolina. So I am going under there. Another one I like is Jalen Hurts under 215 and a half passing yards at home versus the Chargers. This is a tiny number, I know. And the Eagles are coming off of a huge blowout win over the lowly Lions, but almost none of that had to do with Jalen Hurts' performance. In fact, we actually saw Gardner Minshew in this game for the first time, which should concern fantasy managers. Hurts passed for just 103 yards in the effort on 14 attempts and has gone under 200 yards in four games this year, three of the last for in fact this week the eagles face the chargers who are allowing the fifth fewest passing yards per game at 203.1 so i think this easily goes under in my opinion the last one that i like is matt ryan under 265 and a half passing yards on the road versus the saints just when it looked like it was starting like the falcons were getting things going turning things around on the passing game ryan definitely 
came crashing back down to earth. He had just 146 passing yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions against the struggling Panthers that were just lit up by the Giants. Uh, it also looks like, unfortunately, he's going to be without Calvin Ridley for the rest of the year, who's dealing with some personal issues, which I think is really going to hurt Matt Ryan in terms of just passing production. So I am going to go under 265 and a half. Also, the Falcons face the Saints this week, which they have been somewhat exploitable against the past, but are keeping games super low scoring, averaging just 18.3 points per game. So just don't like Matt Ryan and the Falcons in this game. All right, that is our elite entry today, going with Mike White over 245 and a half passing yards on the road in Indy, Mac Jones under 235 and a half passing yards on the road in Carolina. Jalen Hurts under 215 and a half passing yards at home versus the Chargers and Matt Ryan under 265 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Saints. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points to make your uh, lineups super spicy. Mix them with player props, do whatever. Um, also, prize picks markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you haven't created a prize picks account, please check out the link in our episode description because prize picks has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners they will match your first deposit up to $100 just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code action 10 all right let us just keep it moving here on 21 questions with dan claskins all right that'll do it for the burn book our next segment is called full send or that's cap so full send is kind of a it's not necessarily a ski reference but maybe an extreme sport reference you are going full send you are jumping into the fire pit like going head first whatever sending the trick and then that's cap obviously the opposite it's not real it's a mirage or whatever so i'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise and i want to know are you sending it on this player or is that cap so our first player is mike white who is uh a guy that's close to your heart i know this is probably Probably a wild overreaction after just beating your Bengals 37 of 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. That is nine more fantasy points than Zach Wilson has scored all year. Are you going full send on white as the Jets QB one and a potential streamer in, you know, two quarterback super flex leagues? Yeah, I think in those formats, certainly he's going to be somebody you're going to look at this week. But it's just a short term. I mean, Zach Wilson's the guy. You don't spend the number two overall pick. But it was funny, uh, Samantha, and I'll I'll age myself badly here. But uh, I remember a Bengal game back in the early 90s. They were the Bengals of that season were actually two and zero. They were looking pretty good, and they were playing the Packers. And they had this quarterback, Don Mikowski, the Magic Man. And uh, I was even playing fantasy. Actually, I had Don Mikowski on my fantasy team that day. And sure enough, Mikowski gets hurt, and this guy comes out of nowhere on the bench and leads them on this huge comeback. And the Bengals, who were two and zero at the time, they would. I don't think they won another game that season after they blew the lead that day because this guy named Brett Favre came off the bench. <laughs> And I swear to God, I watched it live. I'll never forget it. And suddenly this Brett Favre guy just took over the world and the rest was history. Well, that's what it reminded me of yesterday as I was watching this game. I kept saying, this is Brett effing far all over again this is i mean i'm looking at this right now bill yates tweets his 37 uh completions are the most by any player in his first career start in nfl history like no player in their first start has done it so 
And as I mentioned at the top, uh, you know, I am a Western Kentucky. That's where I went to college and that's where he went to college. So I was rooting for him. But I mean, the reality of it is Zach Wilson's going to be the quarterback here again in a couple of weeks. I think we saw enough yesterday. We're not going to see Joe Flacco starting uh, any games barring injury here. So that's a good thing for Jets fans, I guess. Um, and this week, a matchup against the Colts. This is a defense that doesn't really scare me. Um, they have a lot of injuries right now, especially in the secondary. So Mike White, certainly in play here for week nine. But if you're counting on him for like week 11 or beyond, I think, uh, you know, you have to not really count on it because that'd be wishful thinking in my eyes. Fair enough. I think we are just going full send on the next couple of weeks, but it, it is uh, a little concerning given that was a way better performance than anything we've seen from Zach Wilson so far. But hopefully Wilson can get over the, you know, rookie jitters and, uh, you know, improve as the season progresses. Uh, all right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Michael Pittman Jr. He is having one of the quietest year two breakouts, which I think maybe partly because he's on the Colts, which is just not the sexiest offense necessarily four touchdowns in the last four games with two scores last week. He is currently wide receiver two and half PPR this week with one game left to play as we are recording this. Are we full send on Pittman season um, as a guy that, you know, could put up high end wide receiver two, possibly low end wide receiver one numbers rest of season. I am full send on this guy. And, uh, I was, uh, I was pretty high on him before the season. I had him at one point, five or six spots ahead of the expert consensus rankings over at fantasy pros where, you know, I'm always updating my ranks and I, you said it, I mean, career best 10 catches. What I really like is, uh, you know, the fact that he's with the deep balls, right? I mean, six catches from 20 plus yards. I mean, that's only ninth most in the NFL, but a 57, 1% contested catch rates on deep targets this season. So he's going up, he's making the plays. He's got the frame, the build. They like him in the red zone, double digit PPR points now in six of his last seven and three of those contests, he's eclipsed 20 PPR points. So yeah, I think it's all good for Michael Pittman. What helps him is that great defense, not that I just uh, referenced there for Indy. I mean, the defense isn't great. So I think there's going to be a lot of shootouts now. Carson Wentz has to stop trying to throw left-handed passes, but <laughs> and I, you know T.Y. Hilton, this guy's not going to hold up. So and then you add in Paris Campbell's already lost for the season. So all these things point to Pittman being the man. I think he's going to finish at least in the top fifteen in PPR leagues by the season's end if he stays healthy. I love that take. I actually was high on him last year. Obviously, injuries and a number of things kind of made it a somewhat disappointing year one. So he uh, was a guy that I was certainly targeting. And yeah, as you mentioned with T.Y. Hilton, he just it's a real shame that he can't stay healthy. Injured I know. Season. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Obviously, him. we're all rooting for yeah, him. But but he just I, does not I look like it. <laughs> Yeah. So it looks like it's kind of one of those things that he's just kind of one of the last men standing. And it's not just that he's like just uh, has the opportunity. He also, like you said, has the talent and the frame and everything like that. So I am really excited to watch him play this season and beyond. Um, all right. The next guy we're going to talk about another jet, uh, another Michael too. three Michaels in a row, Michael Carter, currently RB one and half PPR with one game left to play. He's finished as a top 30 running back for fantasy in all but two games this year and top 24 in three straight, which is pretty good considering how poorly the jets have played and the kind of game scripts that they've put themselves in. Um, so are we going full send on Carter as a viable RB two rest of season or is trusting any jets running back cap? 
I think it's another full send for me. Right. And I got to admit, I mean, I was pretty in on Carter during the draft season as well. Uh, there was times when he, he got a little pricey with the ADP. Uh, to, it was it was tough to get your hands on him. But then it sort of plummeted again with late in the draft season. And that's where I gobbled up shares. I, I think I, I'm an, of the 16 season long teams. And yes, I have that many. Wow. That's 16 season long. I'm trying to cut it down to below 10, but it's hard telling people no. It's hard telling people no. But of the in those 16 season longs, not even counting all the best balls, which you know I have dozens as well. In those 16 season long leagues, I believe I've got Michael Carter literally on at least eight or nine of those teams. And uh, the thing is, is now he's he's what we wanted. His bye week's over. He's ran. It's, it's his involvement in the passing game that's exciting to me. He ran 32 pass routes on Sunday. That was third among all running backs. Over the last two weeks, only DeAndre Swift has run, uh, run more routes at the position. And you look at the targets over that span, 23, 14 times on Sunday. That's not obviously sustainable there. But to me, here's we're seeing the talent. I mean, 24 touches, 172 total yards. He's going to score touchdowns. I really like him. Plus, I don't think enough people are talking about it. I haven't watched that entire game yesterday, but it's banged up in injuries that they've had. The Jets' offensive line is improving here. They're opening up holes. And uh, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, what that's going to look like. But Michael Carter, he's here to stay as this team's running back for the rest of this season and beyond, I think. I love that. I had him in, I think I'm in six leagues season long, which is, I know, paltry compared yes. well, to. Well, no, no, that's how it starts there, Samantha. They, <laughs> once you go from two to three and then you get to six, you're like, okay, that's how they suck you in under- industry leagues. But next year, I'm saying no. I'm saying no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have him in, a, I think I drafted him in like four of six leagues. And one of the good things is, yeah, I got him in the 10th round of one league, two rounds after Trey Sermon, which we're not going to talk about that. But yeah, I mean, what's great about a guy like that is that you have no real like expectations for them, because when you're drafting them that kind of late, you're you're thinking like, oh, well, hopefully he breaks out. But yeah, you don't care if it bombs. Exactly. So, I mean, the Trey Sermon one, I will say hurt, but uh, I I think that Michael Carter, maybe I had lower expectations for him and I am happy that I have held on to him in most of those formats. So I am full send on Michael Carter. The only thing is that I got burned last year at the beginning of the season. I went a little heavy on Michael P. Ryan as a guy I thought was a a good sleeper and obviously not quite. So uh, the difference is the the draft stock though, right? I mean, Carter was a pretty high end um, talent. I mean, you know, pretty coveted. I will say you hit, one good point on the head, you held on to it. And I see it happen too often that owners, they get on these players and then it's sometimes you have to make moves with injuries and buys. You're forced into these things. Of course. And, and we understand that. But a lot of times people are just making cuts because they're not patient enough, especially when you draft them. Everybody loves drafting rookie running backs, but very few, uh, very few want to sit around and, and wait it out like you need to because it doesn't happen overnight it takes them some time and we're going to see with michael carter here the calendars turn november and i think he's going to really uh reward those that had that patience There's, i think that's going to definitely be the case love to hear it all right 
uh, one more running back, Boston Scott. So I just want to say I personally apologize to every single person that I told that Kenny Gainwell was a must start this week. Obviously, oh. just painful, painful to watch. They all ended up. Uh, so Boston Scott, Jordan Howard and Kenny Gainwell all ended up with about the same number of carries. But it was Scott and Howard that both found the end zone twice. So are we going full send on Scott as Miles Sanders backup? And this is kind of like a follow up, like, are we just like done with Kenny Gainwell? Because he's the guy that I had been pumping up as like a waiver wire target for a number of weeks. And I don't know what was happening pregame. I think I saw a couple of things like Josh Cholentino, who writes for The Athletic, who's their beat writer. Yeah, that was saying like he was not uh, warming up with like the first team and everything. And I was like, oh, God, like something's wrong. It's in it. It was. So well, I part, started part of the problem. I think part of the problem yesterday was sort of like that Jaguars Seattle, Seattle game. I thought the Lions after what they did with the Rams the week before. And I thought the Lions actually had a chance to win that game yesterday. So as I was projecting Kenny Gainwell, I was, was thinking that the game flow would have the Eagles either down or in a close game. And that wasn't the case. I, so here's the thing. I can't go full send on any Philadelphia Eagle, any of them. I mean, there's not a player on the team I can say that about right now. And uh, the running situation in particularly, I mean, you talk about, yeah, they all had the same number of carries, but that's misleading because Gamewell only had one carry in the first half. 12 of his 13 carries came on the final two drives of a game that was already well decided. So you definitely can't do that. Now, Boston Scott, Samantha, if you'll remember, we saw glimpses of him in previous seasons to where he was a fantasy force in the playoff time and particularly a couple of years ago. And, uh, so he can get it done. I just don't think this offense can sustain it. And to be honest, the thing that scares me the most about the Eagles is I've got some shares in some pretty uh, some pretty big places with, with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. And you better have a backup plan because Jalen Hurts, fantasy managers there are going to have to probably pivot later in the season. As we saw Gardner Minshew come in here, I mean, it was a blowout. But, I mean, I don't think this organization is all in on Hurts. And by the time we get to – the playoff time if this is your fantasy quarterback who right now is a you know most of us are ranking inside the top five or six each week you might get benched it might be Gardner Minshew time in Philadelphia and that's a very real problem that is one major thing this is like a perfect case study of the bifurcation between actual football and fantasy where Jalen Hurts is the guy that we're like excited about for fantasy. He is my QB one in Scott Fishbowl and a QB one in a number of places. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, he's putting up numbers. It's a lot of garbage time numbers and it's not, he's not showing a lot of development in year two as a passer, which is actually concerning given that he might get benched this season. So uh, yeah, I I am feeling less and less confident about him. Even like Dallas Goddard, uh, I thought that it was, he was going to be like a high end tight end one with Zachary. It's gone. So that's not necessarily happened. Uh, And yeah, just this passing game doesn't have a lot of life. I'm not sending it on any of the Eagles running backs at this point. So I'm with you there. All right. Our final guy is going to be, Pat Fryermuth. So I know, sorry, I know it's a, it's a touchy subject after yesterday. Oh, I, I like tight ends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this guy, baby Gronk. Um, yes, yes. Eric Ebron inactive. He finished with four catches on seven targets for 44 yards and found the end zone again. I love the guy. I mean, I think he's got a great build and great pedigree and everything like that. Do you think that he is a viable streamer? for fantasy purposes, or do you think that's kind of just cap because Eric Ebron was out? 
No, I think he is. I, I don't know if it's a full send. I'm hitting the send. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to send <laughs> all the way here. I think definitely uh, get, as we talked about the landscape and the, of the position is pretty weak. Uh, this guy, to me, it, the snap share was still a little puzzling yesterday. I mean, he still shared some time with some backup tight ends more than I'd like to have seen there, but I, if, and this is a big, if in my eyes, if big Ben holds up for the duration of this season, <laughs> I do believe that you're talking about a fringe tight end, you know, probably a high end tight end too here. Mm-hmm. And certainly in dynasty leagues, this is a player that um, is going to be a pretty hot commodity this off season. So it's been a great year. I, I think success will continue uh, and you'll see him inch his way up the rankings each week. So. I agree. I think he's a guy that obviously benefits from Juju being out to uh, kind of some of those more short yardage targets could go to him. And, you know, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I, I would hope to see that snap count increase with or without Eric Ebron healthy. All right, Dan, we have eight more rapid fire questions and we will get you out of here as soon as possible. So question 13 is name one player you just cannot quit. So, or you always find yourself making excuses for. So last season, that was LaVisca Chenault for me. I have, I have gotten off the LaVisca Chenault train, obviously, as everyone has. I don't want to be the last person on that train going off the cliff. Um, but maybe like for me, that might be Joe Mixon. So uh, who is that for you? Yeah, you know, it's hard to come up with just one because so <laughs> I have so many teams, but I will say, I will say that I always, always to, oh, probably oversell uh, Chase Edmonds and even coming into this season, <laughs> like I was so convinced and he did finally score a touchdown this week. So that was nice to see, but I, I feel like that offense and his, the way he fit, like his style could lead to like Marshall Falk, like production. So, uh, I've got a lot of shares of him in PPR leagues. Let's just say that. And it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't really hit that ceiling yet. And for this year, it's doing better than last year because this will be the second straight year I've gone in on Chase Edmonds. So, yeah, it's a different, it's a frustrating situation, obviously, in Arizona. Well, scary situation this week. I thought he was really banged up um, during the game, but he ended up coming back. So hopefully he's not the shoulder issue. I know. He was sort of holding it a little funny there. It's like, yeah. Um, but I'm not then, so sure he's feeling good with that. Then, <laughs> Yeah, we keep seeing James Conner get so much of the goal. All the touchdowns. And it's All the so touchdowns. Frustrating. <laughs> Super frustrating for fantasy, but uh, I understand the enamor with uh, Chase Edmonds. All right. Predict when the Bengals will win their next Super Bowl. Wow. You know, it's interesting because um, it's been a long time. They've never won a Super Bowl. So when they win their next one will be when will they win any Super Bowl. But <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that Joe Burrow is a guy that uh, can can get a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this year. I think there's still some growth to do as a football team. But I like to think that, you know, under these next few years, you're talking about just this receiving core. I mean, even Tyler Boyd's wrapped up through 2023. Uh, their offensive line's young. And, and the thing is, they haven't, unlike some of these teams, Sam, uh, that have turned it around by giving up their draft picks. I and mean, when we talk about the Rams and you see, uh, you know, a lot of these teams mortgage the Bengals they have all their draft picks they have all these great young players they're all locked up on rookie contracts so um the window is now uh there's in the NFL it just takes uh getting a few right more pieces so hopefully they can make those places but we'll, we'll go we'll go uh 2024 how about that I like that that is uh optimistic but not not too crazy uh what are the Bengals biggest needs that they need to fill in this year's draft class well they're really 
hurting for a pass rusher right now. And uh, Joseph Asai out of Texas A&M was looking the part, uh, all training camp. A lot of my the friends that are beat riders were, were looking at that. And, uh, you know, he got hurt in the first preseason game, right? Andrew sacked Tom Brady. And uh, so I'd love to see them address that in their draft. Obviously, I think you can never have enough offensive linemen, especially you got a franchise quarterback. And, you know, uh, I think those are the two biggest needs. Give us one ben Bengals player who you think is underrated for fantasy. Well, I think I think a lot of people are giving up a little too quick on Tyler Boyd right now. I've seen him at the waiver wire being dumped out there in a lot of leagues. And I think he's still worth the bench spot in a 12-team league, particularly if you see any injuries uh, to Chase or Higgins. But Chase's numbers are not sustainable right now. His target share is going to lessen. We actually had James Rapine, who covers the team on our Sirius XM show this week. And he's a longtime friend of mine. And he already said it. And he's like, look for Boyd and Higgins to have better games against the Jets. And that's exactly what happened. Not to say Chase isn't special in the league and still the, the alpha there. Uh, he certainly is. But I do think that there is a positive uh uh, regression there coming for especially Tyler Boyd in the target window. So if he was dumped in your league, I think he's going to still be a handy bi-week filler and maybe a, a low-end wide receiver three on PPR format. Was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? No, but you don't have to be elite to be a Super Bowl champion. With you know, Football is a team sport. 11 on 11. It's one of the reasons mm -hmm. I love it. Everybody does their part. Everybody has their role. And Joe Flacco uh, certainly... Uh, has had a long career in the NFL. So now that said, um, you know, I think there could have been a lot of quarterbacks that could have won a Super Bowl with that team. He did with Baltimore that year, but that's another question. I think he was elite for maybe a couple of games, but uh, we'll give yes, him that. Yes. Uh, who should manager's top waiver ad be this week? Hmm, that's interesting because I do think it is needs-based for sure. But mm -hmm. um, judging by it, the way Twitter's going today it might be it very well be Adrian Peterson all this up there. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that situation develops. But for me, uh, I'm definitely going to look at, you know, running backs, always the position that I covet on the waiver wire. And I'm sure Boston Scott wasn't scooped out there in a lot of shallower leagues. Um, I think he's worth picking up. We talked about him today. So uh, I'm, I'm putting some attention on him for sure. Any interest in Jeremy McNichols? No. Okay. <laughs> Good to hear. That was, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this Titans backfield becoming some kind of a committee though, like a, and not like a fun committee, more like a Ravens-esque committee where there's a lot of veterans that are no fun, uh, for fantasies. So, you know, if they sign Adrian Peterson and Marlon Mack or something like that and have yeah. Jeremy McNichols, they could all be just kind of fantasy. Of yeah, they could definitely attack it like that. And I do think it's interesting because uh if you're asking going back to the waiver wire pick up the week i know a guy out there in almost every league uh, Taysom hill uh is somebody that really interests me because we know what rushing quarterbacks can do and how they can help your football team and i think uh, yeah i don't know if it's the best move for the saints but it's pretty definitive that it's his job now for the entire season so i'm going out there especially if i'm a jalen hurts owner uh that's a good stash um and a player that will have queued up where needed Obviously a huge bummer about the Jameis Winston news last night and this I know, morning. I know. Um, so yeah, Taysom Hill is definitely going to be a guy that I am targeting. Uh, give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Well, uh, Javante Williams was a guy <laughs> that we sort of teed up there before. And I certainly, um, as I told you, I'm, I really envision him, him as a back-end RB1 next year when he's in a Melvin Gordon-less backfield. And I think we'll see enough at the end of the season to see that. 
Uh, and then I also think I was really high on him. We haven't seen a lot of it, but I, I'm really excited still about Terrence Marshall. I know as a rookie, mm. he's had this concussion now and Robbie Anderson's sort of been in the way, but uh, I think that he's got the right skill sets in that offense to, to really take a step forward. So I don't know if we're going to see it all the way this season, but I'll be keeping my eyes on that for sure. I love that because uh, I, like I said, I didn't grow up a fan really, but I, I have adopted the Panthers as my my de facto fan. Nice, <laughs> whatever. So, uh, so well, just imagine if they get Deshaun Watson, which <laughs> is a strong possibility uh, for next season. You know, those receivers with the right quarterback. Oh my goodness, they could be off the hook good. Yeah, uh, I would not say Sam Darnold is the right quarterback. So <laughs> it's, it's a little the guy bit for the future. A little bit disappointing. Um, how many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? <laughs> well, actually, I've recently tried these uh, because mm. of my high school football. We <laughs> out high school football games uh, every week. So we were messing around a few weeks ago. And actually, I actually drilled one through. So Dang. I don't think it would take me too many attempts. I'd have to, it's, it depends on how much I stress and how much beer would <laughs> That is super impressive. That is not in my skill set. I am very athletic at certain things. I mean, I do lots of sports and, yes. and but I'm like really good at balance sports and individual sports. I never played a team sport in my life. Like, well, you know, Taking a football is a lot harder than it looks, but an extra point is not too far. I think you could do it, Samantha. <laughs> it would be really ugly and it would probably take you 100 <laughs> tries. Uh, finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this season, what would it be? Have fun. I mean, that's what it's all we really. I mean, we all like winning money. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, I've definitely been in games where I lost. I didn't have, I had all this money right there, but have fun, man. Cause uh, that's what it's really all about. You want to, I've gotten to the point, honestly, where and with as many teams as I have, I mean, it's easy to do, but I don't even look at live scoring on Sundays anymore. I literally just sit down and I watch the games and, you know, this guy over here is, I mean, there's certain teams of mine that I, I root for a little bit, but it made it so much more fun to me. It's like, just watch the games, enjoy them. They don't last long. So uh, have fun. That's my number one advice. I agree. I don't watch live scoring either. Like I can't get wrapped up in that either. It's just even six teams overwhelms me and I passively know which players I have on each team and stuff, but like, and you know, players, if you have a lot of shares of them and a lot of exposure to them, you of course are rooting for them, but a lot it of doesn't times matter. it's overwhelming. It's, the like, thing is, it's like, I tell people all the time, it's like, it doesn't matter if I'm rooting for this team or that team. I mean, it's, it's going to happen, right? Just sit back and enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Agree 100%. All right, that will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Dan Claskins. Dan, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. So please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Samantha. It's uh, always good catching up. We know we love having you on our uh, our stuff as well. Um, and you can catch, as you mentioned, SiriusXM on Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Me and my buddy James Adams are Fantastics Insider Football. We have our Fantastics Insider Football podcast. We drop on Tuesdays. You can get that at uh, wherever you listen, subscribe. And then I do my own podcast, Get Sports Info Podcast, which has a lot of betting uh, and NFL stuff on Fridays. You can get all my content. My rankings I've been putting out since 2003, getsportsinfo.com. And 
of course, hit me on Twitter at Dan Kleskins. I love talking fantasy. Go give Dan a follow and yeah, check out those podcasts and, and radio. Dan is all over the place. Uh, thank you again so much. As all a reminder, right. uh, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday and every Thursday with my mailbag episode. Speaking of which, you should email any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.